Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. She is exceptional with a capital E, a triple axle, and three quadruple jumps planned in this free skate, but it's not all about the jumps. Watch for flexibility, speed, style, artistry, composition. She has it Is all. it just me, or has anyone else gone through that phase where every so often you binge figure skating videos at like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday night for seemingly no reason? I just think it's absolutely mesmerizing seeing the stunning, glittery, delicate costumes, the impossible jumps and spins. For some of these skaters, they make it look really easy, as if they're just defying gravity on the moon. Yet, I think if I even attempted one of those jumps, I'd probably end up breaking my back or slicing myself open on my skates. And whether these songs are old school classical or more modern and upbeat, these impossible feats are hypnotizing to watch. Seriously, get me a pint of ice cream and a cozy blanket and I could sit there for hours staring at these skaters. However, while figure skating is undeniably gorgeous on the outside, there's a lot of inner workings within this industry that are downright ugly. So let's get into what that is on today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Club's wishes this morning, good luck, has been hard to find for poor Miss Tanya Harding. No one has ever doubted her ability, but many wonder how she can keep finding her on the side of water. Why? concerned, but none of this should have been a surprise to him. I mean, there has been talk about this coach, this program for years. Uh, certainly the Russians doping is not new. It's his organization that sort of let them state, if you will. Making uh, sure so that there are actual institutions that could be doing in the organization. Such as and if you like episodes like this, you want more episodes, episodes without ads, and a whole bunch of other great things, make sure you check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Illuminati. We can't really talk about the figure skating industry as a whole without talking about the obvious, Tanya Harding. Nancy, I want to apologize again for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I say that from the bottom of my heart, I really do. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to get into the whole controversy about how she allegedly hired a goon squad with her ex-husband to hurt Nancy Kerrigan, her competition. As revealed in later years, there's a lot more to the story than that, and it's not quite as straightforward as it might seem. But the point remains the same. Tanya was seen as the villain trying to undercut Kerrigan. Now, what I do want to touch on in regards to Tanya is the effect that her actions had on the industry itself. First, it's important to recognize that figure skating has essentially always been a niche sport. If you think about it, how many kids growing up were skaters that you knew? I mean, maybe you knew a few hockey kids, but that's probably as far as it went. Otherwise, the more frequently played sports were things like basketball, soccer, baseball, things of that nature. Figure skating has too many barriers to entry to be popular, in my opinion. For one, you have to learn a lot before you can even compete, and even basic techniques can take a long time to master. Soccer means kicking a ball into a goal. In figure skating, simply balancing on the ice and learning a teeny basic jump is a challenge in of itself. 
And no soccer fans, I'm not trying to say that soccer doesn't require skill and talent, but little kiddos can participate without too much technique needed. Unless you consider falling on your face participating, but the same really can't be said of figure skating. Plus, there's the more basic matters of not everyone having an ice rink nearby, coaches are harder to come by and more expensive, it's not really a team sport, and a win is based on what a judge says, not by goals made. Oh, and aside from the whole competition factor of it, uh, figure skating is like really expensive to get into. Like everything is so expensive. Like the skates are expensive. The clothing to wear is expensive. Renting like time to see a coach or do one of those classes at a figure skating rink, all of it is expensive and people don't have that kind of money. Now the people that do participate, which is a little over half of the US population, 0.6%, they say that they absolutely love it. Skater Nathan Dendler says it feels freeing, and Cassidy told USC Annenberg Media, quote, I wish people knew that figure skating is a sport that you can start at any time of your life. I feel like it has a connotation that people can't start it after they've become an adult, but I believe it's never too late to learn the art of figure skating. Now, others have said that it's the costumes, the music, the artistry, and the weightlessness that drew them to the sport. But regardless of the beauty in it, few people know much about skating. Enter Tanya Harding, who inadvertently changed a lot of that. Gosh, I had problems with my luggage. I had problems with the metal. Let me tell you, I'm but somehow Tanya has always found a way to rebound from the bad starts, the unlucky bounces. Like in 1991, when she became the first American woman... See, people love a drama or a good soap opera come to life. And a lot of the times people don't even care if it's true or not. And while figure skating is a competition, it's not exactly a sport where you see contestants directly pinned against one another either. But Tanya's scandal changed a lot of that. People saw the scandal between her and Nancy and chased it. Any and every news source, mainstream or tabloid, covered this story when it broke. Scott Hamilton, a 1984 Olympic champion and the voice of the sport stated, quote, It kind of shook me. This was a desperate appetite, a desperate nature. And it kind of dovetailed into the O.J. Simpson stuff later. Whereas some attention is short-lived, this was not the case. Instead, this attention expanded skating as a whole, giving it much needed exposure, even if it wasn't in the way you'd expect. Suddenly, TV networks loved skating. More skaters were needed and rose in the ranks, and the most lucrative period for figure skaters began. Tom Collins, previous owner of Champions on Ice, estimated that business quadrupled. And it's really not hard to see why. Take a look at some highlights from an article around that time, and it just sounded like a must-see drama. And I quote, after weeks of ceaseless speculation, of courtroom drama and a threatened lawsuit, of a possible suspension and last-minute relenting, after claustrophobic training sessions under searing pressure, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding have nothing left to do at the Olympics but skate. The overwhelming focus, of course, will be on Kerrigan and Harding, rivals drawn into uncomfortable proximity by a brazen tale of hooliganism. This isn't to say what happened to Kerrigan is a good thing by any means. No one getting attacked is a good thing. But there's also no denying that figure skating also oddly blew up as a result of her attack. More people were intrigued by skating and fell in love with it. And while it still has many barriers to entry, at least some of it became a little less unheard of. But is this really and truly a good thing? After all, if a sport is elitist, that's rarely a compliment. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the same could be said for figure skating. And as the sport has grown, the issues seem to have grown right along with it. We've seen it with dance, with gymnastics, with a ton of athletes, really. They all face pressure to be thin, 
or to have the sports definition of a perfect body. And this is especially true in figure skating, where the focus on body image has gotten to the point that young women have developed disordered eating habits just to keep up. It is also worth noting the qualifier here, young women, as in teenagers too. The reason for that is that more developed women are said to be unable to perform quadruple jumps and certain tricks that you need to be thin and slender to do. And it's a tricky dilemma because yes, of course you want to give teenagers the chance to compete what they've earned and that they're able to perform these incredible tricks and routines. But if they're pressured to be as thin and light and young as possible, then is that trade-off really worth it? Is it really worth putting them under that kind of strain so that we can just see a few quadruple jumps? Josephine, a 26-year-old Swedish figure skater, told AP News that young, thin girls often do well in her sport. And on the flip side, this can put older skaters in a nasty position. Quote, It usually is not like, oh, you have to look this kind of way, but sometimes one can hear, oh, if you were skinnier, you would jump higher or rotate faster. And this isn't good for any player involved from the sounds of it. Older women are put down for their natural mature figures and young women feel like they need to stay thin or else fail at a sport that they've worked so hard to be a part of. Yulia, Russian's golden girl at the Sochi games, struggled with chronic anorexia for years and ended up checking into a clinic when she was only 19 years old. She explained that her illness ultimately killed her love of figure skating and she hasn't felt drawn to the ice ever since her final competition, a Grand Prix event. She's realized that she needs to put her health first, And while strange celebrity encounters, like some strange man claiming to be her father on Russian state TV, certainly did not help, ultimately it was her anorexia that pulled her away from figure skating. And honestly, and frankly, it's a shame, because not only will figure skating lose some incredible players this way, young and older, but it's teaching young athletes that they're worth less at a bigger size, which is simply not true. Elisa Liu, a 16-year-old U.S. figure skater, said it took a while for her to cope with negative comments about her body. Quote, I dealt with a lot of negativity like two years ago, she said of the many critics who have commented on her very public growth spurt. At one point, I was like, why are they literally coming for a 14-year-old? That's so weird. They're just kind of creepy for that. Why are they looking at a minor's body that way? It's just a little weird and kind of wrong, obviously. And you know something's wrong with a sport when you've got adult judges talking about a young teenager's body, analyzing it, and it's the teenager who realized that this is wrong. Focus on her technique, her skill, her talent. Her body should have little to nothing to do with it. Unfortunately, because artistry is such a large part of this sport, so much of it is subjective. And as a result, judges seem to think that that means shape and size are things to be judged when frankly, I don't think it actually contributes whatsoever. I do agree with AP News here that a more concise metric is needed on that artistry or overall feel portion of judging so that figure skaters may feel less pressured to ask if their body affects their score. But until then, the pressure to be thin is real and it has real consequences too. Figure skater Alyssa Liu, who announced her retirement at the age of 16 years old. Lou is a two-time U.S. national champion. She won her first Studies have been conducted on this topic, and one from Science Direct featuring 263 elite athletes found that there was a significantly higher prevalence of eating disorders than among other athletes or non-athletes. It's not about sports in general, Science Direct says, but it's about sports that emphasize the importance of a thin body shape. Like, no, being thin and lightweight isn't important in American football, but in ballet, in figure skating, Yeah, that's where eating disorders are so frequent, it's practically become a normalized thing. One ex-competitive skater, Jenny Kirk, has estimated that about 85% of skaters have an eating disorder, which is a huge percentage. 
And don't go thinking that this is just about the obsession over how young women look, but it's also common in men's figure skating too. Adam Rippon, who has spoken about the quiet starvation in the industry, admitted that back in 2016, he survived on three slices of whole grain bread, a bit of I can't believe it's not butter, and coffee each day. Each meal was literally a piece of toast, and this was for a professional athlete. And hell, I just think no one, athlete or otherwise, can survive long-term on a diet like that. But this is how he felt he needed to eat in order to look a certain way to be able to adequately compete. Ripon28 remembers wanting to resemble skaters like Nathan Chen and Vincent Zhao, his teenage Olympic teammates whose matchstick bodies facilitate explosive quadruple jumps. I looked around and saw my competitors. They're all doing these quads. And at the same time, they're a head shorter than me. They're 10 years younger than me. And they're the size of one of my legs, Ripon said. And here's a thought. We've heard about how these adult skaters obviously aren't built the same as teenage skaters, but maybe there should be different divisions, different weight categories. I have absolutely no idea what will help alleviate this problem or if anything can be done, but it certainly doesn't seem like the figure skating industry is looking for solutions here either. Instead, coaches and judges alike have encouraged skaters like Brian Boitano to lose weight, even when he was around 4% body fat. The first time Ripon heard it, he was only 10 years old and his first coach said he'd never be able to execute advanced jumps with his quote, heavy bottom. If a sport normalizes kids being told that they're too fat to truly compete and possibly 85% of adults develop eating disorders, then I think that there's something wrong with the sport. But that's not all that's wrong with figure skating, not by a long shot. Think about all those clips you saw earlier all those incredible performances and skaters out on the ice, how many of them were black? Seriously, where are all the black figure skaters? It's not as if there are none, but there are so, so very few. Vanessa James, a black woman and Canadian figure skater has said that this is sort of a catch 22. Quote, if you don't see yourself in the sport, how can you believe that you belong? How can you believe that you can be the best? How do you know that you can be creative or that you'll be accepted for your uniqueness?" End quote. No black figure skaters competed for Americans in 2022. Therefore, black people aren't represented and don't exactly feel welcomed into this world. It's this vicious cycle and the massive part of the reason is because of how the sport came to be in the first place. Black skaters weren't allowed to compete and for decades were rarely featured outside of all black skater showcases. Even one of the most successful black trailblazers in the sport, Mabel Fairbanks, wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics back in the 1930s. Time and time again, Mabel was rejected from rinks solely because of her race. And since she wasn't allowed into shows, she simply made her own. Given the lengthy history of racism in the sport, it's pretty obvious why black people have made up a fraction of a percent of the skaters out there. But why does this continue until now? Is the sport still discriminatory? I mean, I really appreciate that question because I think one of the issues in DEI work in general is that we make sure that we're not being performative, making sure that there are actual institutional changes in the organization. And also that includes not make, not um, hiring one person and expecting them to do all the work. The question goes deeper than that and it's more complicated than that. As we touched upon earlier, figure skating is effectively a rich person's sport. The cost of finding a coach, a choreographer, it's hugely expensive. We're talking somewhere around $35,000 a year just for the instruction, let alone the boots, blades, and costumes, also in the thousands of dollars. 
Given the wealth disparity between races in the US, it's not surprising that wealthier white families are the ones competing. But then when black people do skate, they're often faced with microaggressions, like people saying they're a natural athlete because of the color of their skin. The skating industry, for what it's worth, is trying to change this. Their new director of diversity, equity, and inclusion spoke about this in February, 2022. It also means that we have to audit and adjust our practices, our processes, and our policies from an equity lens. And so some of the things that we're gonna be doing for one is educate our members and understanding what type of- It's good to hear that things are changing, absolutely, but there's no denying that it's a disappointment how long this went on too. If the sport of figure skating as a whole wants to be more diverse, then they need to be proactive about it. It's not a matter of sitting around and hoping more black skaters sign up, but a matter of being encouraging making scholarships and being more inclusive as a whole. Thankfully, there are more initiatives like this being introduced, although they're still difficult to come by. Figure Skating Harlem in Harlem, New York, is a youth development program helping young women of color fight discrimination in the sport. They're also recognized by the International Olympic Committee. It's inspiring to see these girls and young women skating and having fun doing it, knowing that they're making their way in a sport that has excluded them for so long. But while progress is slowly being made bit by bit, alarming factors about the industry remain. I'm so happy we got to see that. If she skates like this in February. The technical purist or the artistic purist, she has it all. And that is ultimately who is supposed to win these competitions, is somebody who can do everything. Congratulations to Camila Valieva on her- Camila Valieva, a 17-year-old Russian skater, though she was 15 when this article was released, was found to have a banned substance in her blood when she was tested. She had three substances used to help the heart, one of which wasn't allowed. The benefits of this combination would be reducing fatigue, promoting greater efficiency in using oxygen, a variety of elements that might help an elite athlete. Aside from a brief sentence about how it's unusual for a 15-year-old to have this many substances in her body, most of the news articles I found on the topic simply discussed what a problem doping is in the industry. Quote, the revelation has upended the Olympic skating competition and generated a slew of questions, including whether Valieva, who was favored to win the individual event next week, will be allowed to compete and whether Russia will be awarded its team gold medal. The United States, led by the men's gold medalist Nathan Chen, finished second in that event." End quote. Doping is a huge problem in sports, and yes, that includes figure skating. Some wonder if the notorious systematic doping was ever truly dismantled back in the 90s as performance enhancing stimulants still aren't all that hard to come by. At times, athletes have even accused their coaches of being the ones to provide them with these substances, pressuring them or forcing them to take the drugs to compete. Camila is far from the only one getting caught up in these recent accusations too, as swimmers, runners, and many other athletes have taken the same thing she did. Last year, NPR also detailed how strange the timing was. Why were the results of Camila's sample only released after her performance? Why was she able to compete with a positive result for a banned substance? By all means, I think these are important questions to ask, and I don't think they should be brushed aside. However, what so many articles didn't focus on is Camila herself. She was 15 when this happened. 15, where were her parents, her coaches, or any kind of support system? Why did she feel as if she needed to take drugs to compete? Was anyone in her life aware of her taking this? It seems like, at least to a certain extent, the world of figure skating is focusing on the wrong thing here. 
Yes, doping is an issue in the Olympics, but a 15-year-old feeling the need to participate in doping should be cause for a different kind of concern. Not only is it alarming that she was taking an illicit substance, but she has faced enormous pressure in recent years, even going so far as to be publicly humiliated. This is the closing weekend of the Winter Olympics that have in many ways been overshadowed by larger concerns, such as China's human rights record and doping allegations. We're going to look at much of this tonight, starting with the conduct of the Russian squad. Even reports on the sport, such as Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated, said that she'd never witnessed anything like it. This isn't a normal way for a coach to treat a competitor, not even in the Olympics. Camila knew she had messed up. She'd fallen twice and stepped out of jumps, and by the end of her routine, she was crying. She's a teenager who was caught up in a doping scandal that made international headlines, but because she finished fourth, her coach says she's given up. And the first person who greeted her was her coach, Terry Tuparitze, who basically just started yelling at her, immediately asking her why she had given up, basically why she wasn't trying harder. So understandably, Valieva continues sobbing, and then they announced that she- I'm sorry, but there are times when coaches need to show a shred of empathy, and this was that time Olympics or not. While a part of me is absolutely disgusted at this coach's actions, another part of me is glad that it happened in public so that we can start having these important conversations around how athletes, especially young ones, are treated within the sport itself. Even the young woman who finished second, Alexandra, cracked under the pressure of skating that day too. She'd completed an extremely challenging routine and when she didn't win, began crying and saying that she hated figure skating, the sport, her coaches, and everyone had a gold medal but her. But as news outlets have pointed out, this isn't really a story of selfish teenagers mad they didn't win. It goes a lot deeper than that. Even the president of the International Olympic Committee is concerned but they sure aren't taking any action to make sure these young women are treated fairly and with respect. Instead, the attitude seems to be, yeah, this shouldn't happen, but it's the nature of the sport. The behavior is normalized or diminished as not that bad when it does need to be taken seriously. Young skaters are being pushed to their absolute limits, effectively devoting their entire lives to this sport. I can't blame Camila and others like her for breaking down, feeling the need to dope, or even developing eating disorders to try and keep their fat ratios down to make these jumps. At the end of the day, these are children. A 15-year-old is still a child. I'm not involved enough in sports to know what the proper solution is. Maybe it's setting an age limit. Maybe it's making a different division for teenagers or putting other boundaries in place. I truly don't know. All I can hope for is that we truly learn from these kinds of situations. Instead of seeing them as scandals, recognizing them as dangerous and damaging is crucial in order to get past this. But I'm curious what you think. Did you know this about the figure skating industry? What do you believe is its biggest problem? She's yelling that she hates skating, she hates the sport, she hates her coaches, she never wants to do it again. Everybody has a gold medal except for her. It was really, really an upsetting committee tends to say sort of vaguely the right thing and then not take a lot of action to back it up. And that is what I would guess is happening here. Thomas Bach did say that he was concerned, but none of this should have been a surprise to him. I mean, there has been talk about this coach, this program for years. Uh, certainly the Russians doping is not new.